Take your Bibles. Turn with me to the book of Joshua. We're in a, a series of messages in the month of August of Operation Victory. And we're going through the Old Testament and we're finding very interesting individuals who have, God has worked a remarkable, remarkable miracle in their life. And we're going to find one here today. And her name is Rahab. She's known in the Bible, Rahab the harlot, the shady lady from Jericho. She is that lady. I titled my message, Rescue. Rescue me. Because that's exactly what she cried out to her, to these spies. And we're going to look at that story in just a few minutes. Remind me of a story. Uh, some of you are giggling every time I say that. But it reminds me of a story of uh, this Baptist preacher. He just got through retiring. And uh, he had a lot of time on his hand. And so he thought that he would go down to the beach and he would become a lifeguard. And so uh, he did all the training and everything. And so, uh, But the problem of it was that where he was life, uh, was the lifeguard at, the drownings went up. And they could not understand why. And so they followed him one day and just began to observe what was happening. And they noticed one morning he was sitting up on his pedestal, as lifeguards do, and he was looking out. And there was a a lady in the back raising their hand. He looked up and he stood and he said, I see that hand. God bless you. Are there any others? (laughs) Well, I want you to know, God is a God... That rescues us. With your Bibles open, Joshua chapter 2, and we're going to begin reading in verse 1. Would you stand with me in reverence of reading His divine word? Listen to what the Bible says. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out two men from Achaia Grove to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went, and they came to the house of a harlot named Rahab, and there they lodged there. And it was told that the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all the country. Then the woman took the two men and hid them. So she said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And it happened as the gates was being shut. And when it was dark, the men went out. And where the men went out, or where the men went, I do not know. Pursue them quickly, for you may overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order on the roof. Then the men pursued them, 
by the road to the Jordan, to the fords, as soon as those who pursued them had gone out, they shut the gate. Well, we're going to stop there, but I encourage you to leave your Bibles open because we're going to study this entire chapter, chapter 2. And you're going to find one of the most interesting stories in the Bible of how this particular lady, a sinner, a pagan, destined for judgment, and certainly deserved judgment. But oh, she had a hunger. She had a hunger and a thirst for God. And you're going to see how God worked a mighty miracle in her life. Father, in Jesus' name, we're so thankful in the way that you worked in the life of Rahab. And Lord, what a blessing that this became. And to know that you are working those same kinds of miracles in lives of men and women every single day. And Father, that you've done that in our own life. And we're excited to know that you're wanting to do that even here today. We believe that there's somebody possibly here today like Rahab. Lord, that they're a sinner. They know that they're lost. But they have a hunger and they have a thirst to know you. And by your providential way, you brought them here today. And Lord, we pray that the power of the Holy Spirit will work in their hearts and that there will be souls born into your kingdom. Oh, Father, we thank you for your mighty presence that is with us through your Holy Spirit. And we pray that your Holy Spirit may work a mighty, mighty thing in our life. Father, may the anointing and the filling of your Spirit be upon us. And we'll praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Oh, I'm so excited about this particular story because I believe this story could be told over and over and over and over again of how God works in unusual ways in to bring about the message of the gospel in the lives of individuals that hunger and thirst after him. Here, this lady, she had a hunger and a thirst. Somebody once said, Nature forms us. Sin deforms us. Prisons reform us. Education informs us. But only Christ transforms us. Amen? And that's exactly what we see here today. Of how Christ transformed the life of this particular wicked lady. She was a prostitute. She was known throughout that particular day in Jericho as a prostitute, a wicked pagan lady deserving punishment. And of course, we understand by studying the book of uh, Joshua that God was going to judge the city of Jericho. She, along with others, deserved that major and terrible, terrible punishment of the wrath of God. But yet, As we study in the scriptures, she had a hunger for God. She had a thirst for God. And we're going to see of how the power of God worked in her life in such a marvelous way that it literally transformed her from 
a pagan to a virtuous woman. You go back into the book of Hebrews chapter 11. She's listed among the heroes of the faith. And she is listed as one that has her life was transformed by God. In fact, as you'll study history, you'll find that this Rahab the harlot, that after she came to know the Lord, that not only was she transformed, that she became a new creature in the Lord. But she became a part of the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ, His house. She married a prince of Israel. And later became, by marriage, the great-great-grandmother of King David himself. And so you began to see of how God has began to do a mighty work in the life of this dear lady. What I'd like to do for a few moments... I'd like to take this passage of Scripture and just dissect it for a few moments. There's three things that I want you to see about Rahab the harlot. First of all, I want you to notice as we study verses 1 through 7, the providence which confronted Rahab. The providence which confronted Rahab. Joshua, that mighty general, began to send spies into Jericho spy out the land, to look over the situation and to bring back a report. And the Bible tells us that God was getting ready to destroy Jericho because of its wickedness. Now, the Bible tells us that these spies went to the house of Rahab. Now, it was not by coincidence. It was not by happenstance. But I believe it was the providence of the God that we serve leading these men to the house of Rahab, that sinful woman. There she was, a heart that was hungry for God. There here you find a woman that wanted to know God, a woman that had a hunger for God. And there God in His providential way sends these spies to her household. Here's a woman deserving judgment. Here's a woman that deserves the penalty of sin. But she was not hoping for the penalty of sin, but she was hoping for the kindness and the goodness and the mercy of a holy God. And what happens? She is confronted by the providence of God. He sends these men there to her household. I see that so many times in the Scriptures, do you not? Of how the Holy Spirit works in the heart of a lost person. And how He begins to give them a hunger. And He begins to give them a thirst. And how they begin to want to know this God that we serve. And through a series of circumstances, He brings into their life. It softens their life. You're here today, possibly. And you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. And you're going through a series of events in your life. And it seems like that through these events, that it's making you turn to the Lord. And through those events you begin to find yourself that you want to know this God. 
You want to know of one that can rescue you in the midst of your troubles and in the midst of your sins and tribulations. Well, my friend, that's the providence of God. Over and over and over again, we find it in the Word of God of how God begins to work like that. I'm reminded over in the book of Acts, chapter 8. There you began to find that great deacon Philip there in Samaria. And he's preaching, preaching the gospel. And there in that revival, God was moving in a mighty way. Very strangely, though. God's Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, I want you to go down into the desert. And down there in the desert, you are going to find an Ethiopian. And there you find this Ethiopian, this eunuch. And there he's studying the Scriptures and he has a hunger for God. Do you not see what's happening? The Holy Spirit of God is working in the life of Philip and he's also working in the life of this Ethiopian. And through the providence of God, he brings these two together. And through by bringing them together, this one that could not understand the Scriptures unless someone could explain them to him. There he comes to know the Lord Jesus Christ as His Savior. You go a a couple more chapters in Acts chapter 10, and there you'll find a man by the name of Cornelius. Cornelius, a general. He's He's a pagan. He's a Gentile. But he has a hunger for God. He has a hunger for God. And the Bible tells us that the angels came and spoke to Cornelius. And it wasn't long after that of how God spoke to Simon Peter. And Simon Peter went to the house of Cornelius. And there Simon Peter led Cornelius to the Lord. Oh, do you not see the providence of God? I see it over and over and over again. I'm reminded of another story there in the Bible. As Jesus and his disciples were journeying that particular day. And Jesus said, we need to go through Samaria. Well, the disciples had this prejudice against the Samaritans. They hated them. Why do we want to go through Samaria? Well, it's not geographical reasons, but because of providential reasons. And you remember the story as Jesus went there and there at the well, there was this woman from Kazar. She also was like Rahab the harlot. She had had five husbands. And she was living with a man that was not her husband. And there they sat down there at that well. And there Jesus gave her a cup of water of a living well. A waters that would never run dry. And literally transformed and changed her life over and over and over and over again. I'm reminded of a story. When I first went into the ministry. I lived in another town and it was Brenda and Sean and I and... 
we would travel to our first church on Friday nights after I'd get off from work as being a janitor, going to school during the day. And we were traveling through Monroe, North Carolina. And I remember that night, it was a very cold, cold night. And all of a sudden, as I was going through, my car cut off. It was in the middle of the night, and I didn't know how in the world I was going to get to Lancaster, South Carolina, which was about 30, 40 miles away. And about that time, a taxi driver pulled up beside me. And he asked me, he says, do you have, are you having problems? And I said, I sure am. I said, my car is, uh, won't run. He says, where are you headed? And I said, I'm headed toward uh, Lancaster, South Carolina. He says, well, I'll take you there. And I thought, well, I certainly can't afford a taxi from there to, to Lancaster. And he said, I, listen, I just went off duty. He said, I'd be more than glad. He saw Brenda, saw Sean, and he realized that we were in need. So we get in the car. And I'll never forget as we were traveling. And as we were traveling, he began to tell me that how his life was in shambles. He began to tell me of how his wife had just left him. And it seems like that his whole life was just being dissolved right in front of his very eyes. I'll never forget by the time we got down to the place where we were going, I had pulled out my Bible and I had went over to Romans chapter 10. And I began to share with him that the Lord Jesus Christ loved him. And that if he would confess with his mouth and believe in his heart that God would raise him from the dead, that he would be saved. And that man was gloriously saved that very night. I'll never forget that. The next morning... I called one of the deacons who was a mechanic and asked him, would he go with me to pick up my car and find out what was wrong with my car? We went back up there and I went in there and I went to crank up my car and it cranked right up. Now nobody can tell me that wasn't but the providence of God. God working in the heart and the life of this man. And he was working in my heart as well. And he brought us together. I could give you numerous stories of how God has you remarkably brought a, a, a lost man face to face with a saved man. And to tell, and that saved man was to tell him of how he could have life everlasting. So you notice the providence that confronted Rahab was not by accident that these particular spies had gone to her house. But I want you to see something else. I want you to see, uh, and look in verse 8 and following, of the evidence that convicted Rahab. Listen to what the Bible says in verse 8. Now before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof. And said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land. That the terror of you has fallen on us. 
and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. Listen to what he says, she says in verse 10. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of Jordan. In other words, here was a pagan, a Canaanite, a prostitute. And yet... She was under such conviction that she began to express her conviction to these spies. Now, let me ask you a question. What caused this conviction? Now, I don't think she ever went to vacation Bible school. I don't think she ever went to Sunday school. I don't think she ever sat under a a Bible preacher before and that preached the Word and that, that the power of God began to use the Scriptures to convict her. No, I don't think that that's what happened. But oh, look how unique in the way that she confessed her faith. Look what the Bible says there in verse 11. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven, above and on earth, beneath. Here, this pagan, this Canaanite, this prostitute, is confessing that He is the only God of heaven and earth. What has she heard? She heard about the miracles that had taken place in the life of the children of Israel. She had heard about the Red Sea drying up. And there they walked. She had heard about how they had confronted these pagan kings and defeated them. She had heard of what God was doing in their lives. Listen to me, people. The greatest sermon that will ever be preached from Kentsville Baptist Church will not come from this pulpit, but it will come from your life on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. The greatest sermon that will ever be proclaimed to this world, to this community, is how what God has done in your life. The miracles of God working and being demonstrated in your life. Oh, do you not see as you look here of how they had heard how God had done these miraculous works and the lives of the children of Israel. Remind me of the time of when the disciples were up in the upper room. And those 120 disciples had began to pray and how they prayed that, Lord, that we love you with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul. And that we had loved one another as ourselves. And the Bible says a mighty rushing wind came upon them and a miraculous work began to be experienced and demonstrated in their lives. Acts chapter 2 verse 12 tells us of that very thing. 
It says, and they were amazed and were found in doubt, saying to one another, what meaneth this? Whatever could this mean? What could this mean? My friend, that's exactly what people should be asking today. They should be asking when they see your life and they see what God's doing in your life and seeing the demonstration of the power of God being expressed in your life and the miracles of God. They should be asking two questions. What does this mean? And then they should be asking just like they did in the book of Acts. What must I do? What must I do? See, we get this reverse. We try to get people to ask, what must I do? Before they ask the question, what does this mean? And here we need to understand, God began to do a great work in their life. One man said, if you want me to believe in your Redeemer, you need to look a little bit more redeemed. And that is so true. We need to allow the the message of the gospel to be lived out in our lives. You need not be silent of the miracles and the blessings of God. This world is hungering and thirsting for those miracles. But I want you to see, thirdly, go back to verse 12. Not only the evidence that convicted Rahab, but also the confidence that converted Rahab. Listen to what the Bible says there in verse 12. The Bible says, Now therefore, I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you also will show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token Spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all that they have, and deliver our lives from death. Go back up to verse 17. The Bible says, So the men said to her, We will be blameless of this oath of yours, which you have made us swear. Unless... When we come into the land, you bind this line of a scarlet cord in the window through which you will let down, let us down. And unless you bring your father and your mother, your brother, brothers, and all your father's household to your own house, so it shall be that what Whoever goes outside the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we will be guiltless. And whoever is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head, if a hand is laid on them. And if you tell this business of ours, then we will be free from your oath which you've made us swear. Then she said, according to your word, so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed. And she bound the scarlet cord in the window. What a story. What was this scarlet cord? What did this mean? 
These men went down on a rope as they were escaping Jericho. And she was coming before these spies and said, when y'all come to invade Jericho, spare me and my household. They said, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We want you to take a scarlet cord, a scarlet rope, and there I want you to hang it from your window. And there when the men of Israel will come, and as they invade Jericho, as they look upon that scarlet cord, they will bypass your house with judgment. And your household will be spared. Do you not, do you not begin to hear of a familiar story as you hear about that? Think about the Passover. Think about the Passover of when God said the death angel was going to come. And he was going to go over that community. But all where you have taken the scarlet blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and placed it upon that door. That the death angel will pass and there you will be spared. My friend, these men were reminded of that very thing. And they were using that very example as taking this scarlet letter, tying it in there in that window. My friend, the Bible does remind us that Jesus is our Passover. That through the Lord Jesus Christ, He, as the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, Christ, our Passover, is sacrifice for us. You put the blood of the Lamb of the door on that doorpost, and that the death angel, the death of judgment, will pass over you. My friend, they were talking about the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, without the shedding of the blood, there is no forgiveness. There is no remission of sin. Now, what saved Rahab? It was that scarlet cord. What, what did that scarlet cord represent? My friend, Rahab the harlot was saved by looking on to the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, now wait a minute, wait a minute. Jesus hadn't even been crucified yet. Well, my friend, I want you to understand, in the Old Testament, they looked to the cross. We, after the New Testament, we look back to the cross. But God only has one plan of salvation. And that is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And without the shedding of the blood, There will be no forgiveness. Without the shedding of the blood, my friend, there will be judgment. And there will be the penalty of sin that must be exercised. And there you begin to see there's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, thank God for the blood of the Lord Jesus. Here was this lady... She was saved physically, but most importantly, spiritually, by the blood 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. She hung that scarlet rope in the window. And I want you to notice something. She didn't hang it in the closet. She hung it in the window. She was not ashamed. She was not ashamed in front of all of her friends of the community. But she hung that in the window. We sometimes wonder, why do I need to come forward and confess Jesus as my Savior? Jesus tells us that if you'll be ashamed of me before your brethren, I'll be ashamed of you before the Father. And so therefore, when individuals get saved, we ask them to come forward. And we ask them to, to give that testimony by them standing that Christ has come into their life and transformed them and saved them. Literally what they have done, they have taken that scarlet robe and they begin to hang it in the window. Are you ashamed to hang that scarlet rope in your window? Aren't you glad that you have that privilege? I'm reminded of a lady one time in a revival meeting. And during this revival meeting, she came under such great conviction. And a couple ladies went to her there in the back of the, uh, the church and there in the pew. She was crying. She was weeping. And they knew that she was lost. And they said, why don't you come forward and give your heart to the Lord? She says, oh, I can't go forward. That would be too embarrassing. Can't I just get saved back here? No, you need to come forward. The second night, almost the identical same thing happened again. These same ladies went to her, and there she was under deep conviction. And there she was crying. And they said, why don't you come forward and confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Oh, I can't. It would be too embarrassing. Can't I just get saved here? No, you can't do that. The third night, almost the identical same thing happened again. Same women went to her. And there she began to cry out, Oh Lord, save me. I'm willing to do anything that you want me to do. If you want me to go forward, I go, I will go forward. And those ladies said, You don't have to go forward. You can get saved right here. <laughs> My friend, you understand what I'm talking about? That desire that I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed to hang that scarlet rope right in my window. And to allow other people to know that I am a child of the King. I'm a child of God. And I'm not ashamed of it. Boldly and proudly, I lift up the banner of Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. What about you today, sir? What about you? What about you, ma'am? Have you ever come to that point in place of 
for a hunger and a thirst of knowing God. Not by accident. Not by coincidence. That you're here today. But that God sent you here to hear this story of how this lady was literally transformed by the blood of the Lamb. And as I said, became that virtuous woman, became the great-great-grandmother of King David, became a part of the lineage of the household of the Lord Jesus Christ. God's divine work in the making. That's what He wants to do in your life. But you've got to be willing. You've got to be willing to give your life to Him just like she did. Would you do that today? Lord Jesus, You have expressed Yourself in a powerful, powerful way through the life of this dear lady. Rahab the harlot, who became Rahab, that virtuous woman. Father, I believe there's individuals here today that you're attempting to speak to their hearts and to remind them of their need, just like you did Rahab. And in just a few moments... In a divine way, the Holy Spirit is going to usher them, walk with them, guide them, and direct them to come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Oh, dear Lord, may the power of the Holy Spirit rest upon this place. In Jesus we pray. Would you stand?